0: Bad, immoral, and wrong. This is the Modern Eater Show.
1: piping hot and delicious. The Modern Eater. Food, food,
2: food, food, food. Come
3: and
0: get it. And now your hosts, Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, and Brian Freeman.
2: Yes, it is. And here we are on the air everywhere. It is the Modern Eater Show live from Studio Kitchen, Colorado. Welcome. Greg Holland back here with you. Brian Freeman, he has the ick tonight, Jay. Yes, he does. He's got the, uh, I call him the Gungamungas. So he's at home with the big boy voice. He'll recover. Be back with us this next week. And uh, Jay Parker, of course, here with us, Little Rich Snyder, Dave Avery, Kenyon George, all's well in the world because it's uh, Chef Elise Wiggins' night tonight.
0: That's right. We've been looking forward to this for uh, a couple months now.
2: We have. I mean, it's like just so excited for tonight because you're going to learn so much. Tune in. I mean, go to TheModernEater.com. You're going to get full value. Watch the video alongside. If you head out into the car, 630 K how that's our I Radio affiliate. And uh, Jared Petsche, good to see you here on the show with us. Pleasure. Um, did I do that right? Yeah, Jared Petchett. Yeah, thank you so much. He helped, he trained me ahead of time. <laughs> the executive producer for Elise's new show. Welcome, mm-hmm. Elisa.
4: So exciting to be here. I know. I, g- I get to be in the cool club now.
2: You are in Studio Kitchen, Colorado, first time. Yeah. But, but not the last.
4: No, I hope not. And we are in the cool club now because we have you here. We're
2: going to cover a lot of stuff tonight. We are. But first, we're going to learn about you in 60 seconds. Okay. Or so. You think we can do that?
4: Yeah. Well,
2: I don't know. It's called not for nothing. Okay. Not for nothing. Let's okay. learn about Chef Elise right now. Okay, Jay, I want you to start out this not for nothing. It better be a good... We don't. I don't know what he's going to ask you. He doesn't know what... Uh,
0: You're going to talk, gonna talk trash you. about mine because that's just what you do. Uh, not for nothing, Chef Elise. Reese's Pieces
2: or Skittles?
4: Ooh, Reese's Pieces, chocolate. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Favorite
2: animal to eat and why?
4: Ooh, right now, tonight... <laughs> excuse me is the chicken in general no 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 I got to talk about this because this chicken is from this farm and if you look at this yellow fat chicken is usually like planned and and has no flavor this has amazing flavor Okay.
2: so chicken because of tonight
4: chicken because of tonight right, Jake
0: Uh, not for nothing hunting squirrels or hunting something bigger
4: Uh, I love squirrel I'll hunt anything but I love squirrel do
2: you need a 12 gauge for a squirrel though
4: no, 410. I mean, 12-gauge, you could, but it's a yeah. little big. Uh-huh. and You might tear the squirrel up. So, right. well, 410 is good.
2: Was it good to go? Is that what yeah. you used on the last I episode? I did, of yeah. Roots to Ranches, yeah. which we'll talk in depth about. Absolutely. Beer, wine, or spirits?
4: Ooh, spirits. I love, my, although I've got a beer, so it's a good rubber beer. So, I love beer. I love spirits. I can't choose between the two. Mm-hmm. Which spirit out of those? Whiskey. Whiskey. All right. mm-hmm. uh,
0: Not for nothing, cold and get warm or be warm and get cool?
4: I just like to be cold, period. (laughs) What do you mean, what? You like to be cold? I like cold. You run hot. Yeah, I'm a hot runner. All right, you run
2: hot. Uh, Most bizarre food you've ever eaten? That's a good
0: one.
4: Oh, my God. Um, I was in Czechoslovakia and I had um, rooster balls and coxcomb. And I can eat just about anything, and this was good. I don't know if that's not a, good. something we can eat. This was hey. not good. Whatever that was.
2: Wow. That <laughs> was an interesting one. Uh, go ahead, Jay. Uh, not for nothing. I would have no. never expected. Not for nothing. I would have never expected that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Netflix or cable? Netflix. Not for nothing, your favorite charity.
4: Uh, Denver Urban Farm. Here. Oh, wow. oh, I'm sorry, The Urban Farm. Yes.
2: That's Stapleton.
4: That's staple the, They're on tonight. That's yep.
2: fantastic. Go ahead, Jay. Oh, we're keep going?
0: Yeah, uh, not more. for nothing. Manual or automatic?
4: Ooh, if I have my preference, manual. Manual. Ooh-hoo. Yeah, me too. Me Go, too.
2: baby. <laughs> uh last one. Smartest person you know.
4: Ooh, Lord. Um there's so many smart people. I'd say my father. Your old man. Yeah, he's he's like he's like Brer Gorillas of the world, like and he's had so much experience between being country, and then, you know, um, his education and his world exposure, he's just, he's a brilliant man.
2: Well, oh, what a perfect segue. That'll jump us into where are you from? I'm from Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah. A lot of influence.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Food-wise? Yeah. Food, family, it's, it, it that's our culture, is like, the, the two are integrated, you're always spending time with family, and everybody's always cooking, and so therefore everybody's like, who's got the best this, that, and the other, your gumbo, your, you know, you know jambalaya, who fries the fish the best, like... You, who's the best hunter? Like, you know, it, it, there's, like, a competition, but it's good. But it's good. When did you move to Colorado? Um, 2004. 2004. Mm-hmm. I've been here for a minute. What brought you here? I, I always had a call-in. Like, it's so funny. When I was growing up as a little girl, um, or just grown up, period, my father would have us go camp in Louisiana, and uh-huh. in, like, in the summertime. And it's like, everybody really? that knows how hot Louisiana is is that that's out of the frying pan and into the fire. And so bugs snakes everything is all out and my dad just wanted to go i'm like can't we just go to colorado i see snow in the mountains can't we just go somewhere cool and he was like nope we're camping here and um i don't know i just had a calling in the minute that i could get up here i did and fell in love and moved up three weeks later
2: three weeks later
4: well <laughs> you seriously moved, you move quick yeah you don't leave your mama in the south you don't leave your mama and so don't leave your family. And so I came home and I told her, I'm like, I'm moving. And she's like, yeah, yeah, right. And I'm like, no, no, come in three weeks because I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. And then sure enough, she, I had to call her a couple days before and I'm like, I'm leaving. You know, you need to come say goodbye. And she she couldn't believe it. And off I went. So I love it. I love Colorado.
2: What was your first job in culinary?
4: Oh, um, I actually worked at a Chili's I moved from Louisiana to, to Dallas, Texas, and I worked at a Chili's, never worked in a restaurant before. And I started off as a server, worked my way up as to a bartender, and then, then a manager quickly in the front of the house. And then I moved to a fine dining restaurant um, that had uh, four stars and um, moonlighted in front of the house as a manager. And then at night, I worked in the kitchen at Hard Knocks. Did you like
2: the front of the house?
4: You know, I preferred the back, but I think it's important to have a successful restaurant. You have to know both. And I, and I tell everybody that all the time. Like all these students that I go and speak to in culinary schools, I'm like, I know you want to be a chef. I know you want to be an artist. Yeah. But you have to know the other side because otherwise you're going to get robbed blind.
2: Yeah. On the other side, just quick detour. <coughs> um, front of the house, back of the house, what's the disconnection these days and how can we bring it back together? Is, is that something you have identified, a, a disconnection from the front and the back of the house?
4: You know, I don't have, I don't permit a disconnection. Um, I don't permit egos coming from the back of the house or vice versa, the front of the house, back of the house. For me, it's important that you establish a culture of respect between the two because you have to work together. Mm-hmm. And believe me, I worked in many restaurants where, you know, if I was a server or whatever and I needed something, the cook would sit on my dish just to punish me when it really was punishing the, the, the guest. And I was like, I'm never, when I have my own restaurant, I'm never going to allow that to happen. So I don't know about everybody else's world, but in my world, that's not permitted.
2: so hard to keep people. I mean, I'd say good people, but people in the back of the house right now. I'm, I mean, I'm sure, and, and catavella, which we'll talk about in depth here in a minute, but a lot of restaurants have so many applications for the front of the house. Zero in the back of the house. I mean, truly. Um, is it money? I mean, what are you seeing out there right now?
4: You know, it, I think it's, I mean, yes, money. I mean, obviously the, the back of the house is always paid less than what the front of the house makes, you know, and that's, it's unfortunate. Um, but that's, that's changing, you know, the minimum wage, you know, wage has gone up and honestly I've been paying that wage since for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. So when people are like, Oh my God, you're going to put business out of, out of business. I'm like, I've already been doing this. Like in order to get really good people, I have to pay them that much money. So that's not an issue for us. Um, But I have a lot of people that have worked for me. I mean, Zuri that you see in the background over here Mm -hmm. cooking, um, he's been with me like seven years. I have several staff members that have been with me 15 years prior to, you know, Catavella working with me at another restaurant. And I think, um, you know, a positive environment. I don't yell. I don't scream. I don't degrade. But I do ask, well, expect, require a, a high level of performance.
2: Just like you require from yourself. Yes, no doubt. Absolutely. So yeah. you leave that by that example, and that's the culture, creating that great culture, and that's what we'll do. We'll take a break. We'll come back uh, in the kitchen right now, Chef Elise Wiggins, and we're going to cover a lot of ground. Next segment, we're going to have our executive producer of her new show join us, and Roots. To ranches, right? Roots mm-hmm. to ranches. Roots it's such ranches. a cool show. Jay and I, we watched the first episode a couple of days ago, and it was just great. We were just tuned right in to what you were doing. Yeah. Uh, there's what struck me was there was a really cool, um, f- from a lot of talking, showing, sourcing out mm-hmm. there in the field, and then this great cooking element. To yeah. where you actually did, did a lot of the hands-on and showed uh, demonstration style. I love yeah. that about the show. You mind if we hang it there? Come back. We'll talk about Let's that. Let's do it. And also Captivelle itself. All's well in the world. This is great. Studio Kitchen, Colorado. Wow. <laughs> Fantastic. What an audience we have here tonight. And we also have a great place. Coming up on the show, Booze in the News next hour. All the booze news you can use. And we'll check in with Preston Hartman. He's the co-founder and brewer of Good River Beer Company. Also have the urban farm at Stapleton. Wait until you hear the projects that Chef Elise is doing with the urban farm, and we've got a whole laundry list of folks that are going to join us. Last but not least, he's a man that's a star within himself. His name's Zuri. He's going to join us. Uh, coming up at 6:30, right here on 6:30 KHOW iHeart Radio Affili- affiliate. We'll break away. Little Rich in the Little Rich Corner. We'll do that now, right here on the Modern Eater Show on iHeart iHeart Radio. Hey, this is Brother Luck from Colorado Springs. Alright, you ready? <laughs> Owner of four by brother Luck and Lucky Dumplings. I mean he's he's a very, very impressive man. And you're rocking with the Modern Eater show on iHeartRadio. Okay, back at it from Studio Kitchen, Colorado. So pleased you're tuned in tonight. If you're listening to us on iHeartRadio, you can jump on over to the Modern Eater Facebook page and do what I'm doing right now. Just share it to your timeline. Sharing is caring. And Chef Elise Wiggins who shares a lot. She's sharing with us here tonight. And uh, also, Jared's here with us. Jared, uh, her producer, executive producer of the show Roots to Ranches. Let's dig in talk about the show, but we're also going to demonstrate some cool stuff here. I'm going to let you take it away, Elise.
4: Yeah, so um, I'm actually going to stuff um, this chicken. This ch- chicken actually came from um, the Urban Farm um, that's here in Denver. It's very close to my restaurant in Katiavella. And um, these guys are a nonprofit, but they teach these children this amazing thing. And you'll hear more about it, but... They teach them how to do ag, um, and it's, um, it's an amazing program. I look forward to um, promoting it. But if you look at just the yellow that's on here, what we're going to do is what's called um, an ancient way of baking food in clay but very tight. And we're going to be doing a fundraiser at um, the farm this year in September um, to help raise awareness and also funds for them. But we're going to be taking several different animals from the farm and actually cooking them um, and then serving them to the public and a big, big, long, you know, table. It's going to be amazing. I
2: love those types of dinners. Yeah. They'll be on in the next hour. Uh, people that listen to this show really enjoy going to attend those things. So hopefully there'll be more information that they can get. And we'll talk to Absolutely. Um, the farm. It's called the Urban Farm at Stapleton. Do your homework now so when they're on the show, you can check them out. Chef Elise, you're demonstrating this beautiful tic- chicken. It looks kind of like a spatchcock chicken skin still on. And yeah. uh, you're throwing an egg in there. What?
4: Actually, this was a silky. Um, and um, these are duck eggs and chicken eggs from the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, same ladies that that laid er, <laughs> laid them. Um, and this is one of the chickens also. And what I'm doing is just kind of using everything. If you can see, there's no bone structure. I went ahead and debone oh, this because cool. it takes a little yeah. bit too much time. Um, but the cool process behind this is, is that... Um, I'm stuffing it, that way when we cut through, it's almost Louisiana-style where it's duckin' where everything is deboned and then stuffed inside of everything. This is actually chicken sausage. We actually took the chicken, made sausage out of this, and it's Spanish-inspired. And so, Zuri, who is from Mexico City, uh, was influencing all the spices that we're using in here. But we're literally, and this is a, a duck egg from the farm. We're stuffing it all down in the middle.
2: How naughty is that?
4: (laughs) It's so good. And then here's the cool part is that, you know, most people with tandoori and things like that, you know, you put a tandoori on, and the tandoori, you know, that ceramic is kind of a triangle. Well, as the chicken cooks in a tandoori, the moisture releases and comes down to the bottom. Well, that's good. The juices are good. But when you put clay over the top, which is what I'm going to do, it forces the moisture to stay inside the bird. Mm-hmm. This is going to be like chicken crack. And when mm-hmm. I was saying, mm-hmm. what protein did I like favor beef or chicken?
5: Mm-hmm.
4: With this farm-raised chicken mm-hmm. and the way that we're doing this, it is the best chicken ever. I'll, I'll take this hands down over a steak or anything all day long.
2: And we're going to make some tacos out of that
4: tonight, We huh? are. Oh, and if you look behind me, there's a little sneak peek. We pulled this one out, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and it's resting. It takes a long time to rest gotcha. because the clay is thick. Um, Will but we be
2: able to show that in one of these segments coming up here?
4: Absolutely.
2: Oh, stick around for that for sure.
4: Yeah. So I'm going to just do the final egg in here, and more of the sausage. Are the,
0: are are those eggs hard boiled already? Or are they yes. raw? They are. Hard nope. I can't tell if there was a shell on it or something. They're like no
4: like no 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 shell. They're like three minutes, so they're still a little soft. That way, when they go in the oven, uh-huh. this sausage is really moist, so it really kind of insulates it. Um, So it's not going to cook it all the way through. Um, The last thing I'm going to do is, again, we have a little bit of um, chili butter, and uh, we're going to stuff this under the breast. Mm -hmm. So again, as this bakes, because it bakes for two hours.
2: That's what I was going to ask. At what temp?
4: 350 for two hours. Mm. Low and slow. Low, low, slow, but not too, too low. and, you know, this butter is just going to continue to baste everything that's on the inside.
0: And when you say chili butter, is that just, like, butter and you reduce it down with chili in it or something yeah, like Wajillo that? Chilis, yeah,
4: chilies, all that kind of good stuff. Um, there's a little bit of uh, garlic, lemon zest that's in here, um, cumin as well, but not too much. We really want the chicken to speak. So you can really appreciate this great farm chicken. So from here... Now, I'm gonna take a little bit of this dry rub. We're gonna put this on the outside. Oh, Lord. Yes.
2: So I'm, t- I'm looking at
4: like probably paprika in there. Like Acho- garlic. Achote. Um, so yes, paprika, there's cumin. Um, also cayenne that's in here. Cause we're gonna pay ode to the Cajun part of the episode today. We're rubbing this whole thing down. And then the cool part after this now, I'm going to make sure I get all this good stuff in there. No waste. No waste.
2: You hate waste.
4: I hate waste. I know you do. All right. So, Jerry, will you do me a favor and take that? Thank you, sir.
2: And Hey, covet that. That's a a koozie from Buckets, which we'll check in at 7 p.m. right here uh, on Skype with uh, Wes. Rum Buckets in Louisiana, a place that uh, you've haunted that place for a
1: while, haven't
4: you? Oh, yes. Love me some buckets. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to put this baby right in the center. And then, actually, I'm going to turn this a little bit this way.
2: Now, if you like what you're seeing now, you get a lot of this on Elisa's new show um, Roots to Ranches that airs on Rocky Mountain PBS and Jared, you're here along with us right now. Absolutely. What a cool show!
6: It is such a revolutionary show for sure. Uh-huh.
2: Uh huh. Talk a little bit about it and how people can watch it.
6: Uh, so Rocky Mountain PBS every Thursday at 8 p.m. Um, and if you can check it out, Roots to Ranches.com uh, every. Every Thursday, uh, more or less Friday, we can post up the show, sure. embed it from PBS. So you can check out the website, roots2ranches.com and check it out every Friday, uh, the new episode from PBS.
2: It's so cool, and Elise, it's been a while, and and self-admittedly, it's just like saying, oh, you got a a radio show. Well, wow, cool, a, Rocky, a a PBS show, and it's been a while since I've tuned into any PBS programming. And when I did, I was like, holy cow, what a great job you guys are doing! Uh, PBS, did you shop the show around, you guys? Was that how how did you land on PBS? What was the fit there, Elise?
4: Yeah, so. Um Uh, Amanda Mountain, who is the CEO of PBS, um, is really good friends with my wife. And, you know, she talked a couple times. It would be great to, you know, have you do a show, blah, blah, blah. And and I've heard that several times. I've had um, Food Network reach out to me, do me a sizzle reel. They asked me to do healthy cooking. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't do healthy cooking. Um, And it never panned out. And, And then finally we had brunch and she was like, well, if you would do a show, what would you do? And I'm like, I would break the rules first. I wanna do a show that isn't like the shows that are out there right now. And, and and I'm not dissing those shows, there's a need for them. But it's either usually in a studio, and it's step one, two, and three, and it's usually repeating kind of what everybody else does. We're gonna do a bolognese, great. We're gonna do a bolognese, great. We're gonna do a bolognese, oh, great. great. How, many, how many chefs can do a bolognese, you know? I wanted to do a show where we took people on an adventure to understand where their ingredients come from. And it's not just the normal ingredients. I don't wanna know where buffalo mozzarella comes from. I wanna know where squirrel comes from or lichen. I wanna educate people. You know, PBS is the home of Julia Childs. And when she was poaching whole fish in the 60s, I know that those women that were home watching her, did they go out and buy a whole fish poacher just to do fish? I probably, Highly doubt it, but they were enthralled because they were learning from her, and it was very casual, and she connected with them, and I want to do that with people. I want to inspire them to either go out and forage or go out and hunt, you know? There's four times the amount of protein. I thought
2: everything was born in the grocery store. Elise.
4: Well, exactly. Steaks
2: were just in a wrapper, right? And right. packaged already up. No, you want to. And, and listen, you're really resonating with me because that's the modern. That's what we like to do at the Modern Eater. People really want to connect with their food. Yes. Know where it's coming from. Know what it does to their body. Know how. Know the deliciousness. Why is this so delicious? And I'll tell you what, chef. A lot of food and recipes taste so much better when I get to know where they're from. Yeah, get, I get to know the integrity of the food and yeah. know who's cooking and handling it as well.
4: Exactly, exactly, and I, I, I feel like people today are seeking that out. You know, people want to know where their food comes from. There are more women now that are hunt, they're signing up for hunting courses because they want to know how to procure their own food. Mm-hmm. It's going that far. I think it's amazing. You know, if people understood that, like. The protein that you get from a wild animal versus a domesticated animal, and again, I'm not, I'm not sliding, you know, farming animals because there's, there's a need for that, mm-hmm. but four times the amount of protein, can you believe that? A squirrel, a little tiny squirrel, has four times the amount of protein per
2: the, ounce. The protein, protein bone ratio is fantastic, up there with rabbit.
4: Uh, unbel- well, exactly. Anything wild. Mm-hmm. So versus your domesticated chicken, sure. domesticated whatever. And imagine, if you're walking through the woods and you're walking miles and you procure that, you're going to have more respect for that animal and waste nothing, which is truly kind of like the the driving, um, I don't know, topic, issue, focus that we have on the show.
2: Yeah. Squirrel. I mean, chicken of the tree is what you'll say, right?
4: Chicken of the tree, baby.
2: Chicken of the tree. You're not going anywhere. We're actually going to break off and then we're going to finish this up. We actually have this chicken with the done chicken, the magic of TV. That's how you can tell, Jerry. You're not going anywhere, too. But we're going to introduce another gentleman to the mix. Your executive sous chef of Cattivella. I won't do it justice. Give him a little preview. He can't hear us right now. Talk about him for just a minute, and we'll preview him to come onto the show.
4: So Zodi is amazing. He's he's been my sous chef for about seven years. He came from Panzano's with me. Started just as a cook, um, and he's he's truly like a son to me. Like he's worked for me for so long. He has equal passion to food and about where it comes from as I do. And and honestly, out of all of the people I've worked with, it, it's been hard to find, you know, and like people that work their way up to become a chef and they're, they're, they're successful, it's because of the driven passion, you know, to every little detail and this man has it. And he was with me on the first season of the tour of the show and, um, you know, he, he was excited to be here, anything to be a part of it and to further, you know, his perfection. Um, so I, I can't say enough about him. I'm lucky to have him.
2: Yeah. Uh, from Le- Mexico City, he's in our backyard now. I
0: was just going to say this. Uh, next time you take him out with a shotgun, though, you may him, not the other way around. Well, we watched that scene, that scene, and I was like, whoa. "Oh man, like go side by side with Yuri no. because I don't know if he knows that shotgun."
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It was really. Well, uh, <laughs> I was like, there was a couple of scenes, and that wasn't obviously in it, but I was like, uh, "Wait, wait, 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 wait." The cameraman is in front of you. Wait, wait, just a second. Uh, yeah. I mean, he did go through hunter safety just before that, and I did work with him prior to that, and so there was a lot of like, "Be careful, be careful, be careful," kind of thing. So I had my eyes on him, but yeah, there was certainly some. Uh, <laughs> It's
0: like me. If you give me a squirt gun, you're making a bad decision. You know, that's all I'm saying.
2: <laughs> this is great. I'm having so much fun tonight. I'm glad you're tuned in here with us from Studio Kitchen Colorado. Jared's going to stick around with us. Jared Petchi and uh, the executive producer of this amazing new show right here. You can watch it. It's Roots to Ranches and and, uh, Rocky Mountain PBS. Google it. Roots to Ranches right now. Bookmark it. You just want to stick around because you'll listen to all of these cool stories. We're going to show you this finished product of this chicken as well as continue to catch up with Chef Elise Wiggins. Zuri's going to join the show as well. Jared, she just took her headset off. There's got to be some cool bloopers from the show, right? Oh, there's definitely bloopers. uh,
6: We're planning to uh, release those slowly. She's
2: back on headset. Bloopers are going to be coming up next we'll talk about some of the things what it's like to work with Chef Elise Wiggins the final product you guys that's it that's the cool stuff All right, we'll be right back in the flash don't forget our YouTube channel we just put enough content up there to where we're proud enough to say go over to our YouTube channel and subscribe Uh, this is a great night at Studio Kitchen Colorado off to Little Rich in the Little Rich Corner you're listening to the Modern Eater show on iHeartRadio. Hi
6: Michael Myers from Distillery 291 I'll say whatever you want me to say (laughs) that'll get me in trouble (laughs) Ride it like you stole it. Drink it like you own it. You're listening to The Modern Eater on iHeartRadio.
2: Okay, right back at it from Studio Kitchen Colorado. As we rejoin, looks like Zuri's. He's a little busy in the kitchen. He's also entertaining people. It's like Mm -hmm. then people get the opportunity to actually talk to chefs at the chef's table, which strikes me. Uh, Elise Wigan back with us. Um... Cathy Vella, what a great place to go eat at! Yes. Uh, because of that table, Jay's been there taking a date. One of the few. Uh, mm, yeah. Uh.
0: yeah.
4: <laughs> oh, come on, I don't believe that. Play I don't
0: believe it either, Jay. Oh, you were there. We took a picture of you, but it's just—it's uh, an X, so you know how that goes. Yes. But it's a beautiful restaurant, and the in the chef bar, right? Because I don't yeah. think we call it a chef table; we call it a chef bar. Yeah. Is hands down the coolest place to sit in a restaurant and watch the chefs do what
2: they do. I mean, you can get garlic popped on you. You're so close. I love it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) And often do.
2: (laughs) Garlic popped on you. Rejoined, we're waiting for Zuri to come on over here. Rejoined by Jared. Uh, We were talking bloopers before, but I just got uh, distracted because Elise, this is probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen assembled right in front of my face. Can you just give me the play-by-play of where you're at with this chicken?
4: Yeah, so again, um, in September, Um, we are going to have a fundraiser for the Denver, I'm sorry, for the urban, um...
2: urban, the urban farm at Stapleton.
4: The urban farm at Stapleton, yes. So, um, we're gonna have a dinner with them, and what we're gonna do is take some of those animals, dig a pit there, cook them in the pit, and what I'm doing is a mini version. This is a chicken from their farm, the eggs are from the farm, and what I'm doing is I'm cooking it in clay. And the reason why this makes it, again, so delicious is that the clay stays so close together. It just forces all that moisture inside, and it keeps it so juicy. It's going to be the best chicken anybody's ever had, not only because it gets from the farm, but how it's cooked, too.
2: Oh, man, just watching is fantastic. And you have one that's ready over here, but it's resting, right?
4: Yes, it's resting. It's resting. She's
2: very quiet. Very welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to see you. It's a pleasure. Uh, it was really good. Chef Elise had the opportunity to introduce you. You should go back and rewind that, man. You might be able to ask for a raise. <laughs> she basically said I she can't live them, without I you. I just gave him one. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. All right, well, maybe another one. But uh, uh, here you are. You guys have worked together for so long. Yes, we have. Uh, we started uh, together uh, almost seven years now. Yeah. Seven years. Yes, together. we've been uh, three years now at uh, Cattibella, and it's been great. Uh, Jay. You made a comment about maybe Zuri shouldn't walk around with the gun in the... the
0: shotgun. Well, I, and, and it wasn't like he wasn't carrying it the right way, and it didn't. I didn't see anything in the video, but when, when the leading up to that, when when Chef Elise was uh, talking to uh, uh, the viewers about like he's never done any of this, he's never gone, and so the, based on that, I'm like, well, we got to be
2: careful with this dude <laughs> from Mexico City. I don't know how much squirrel hunting he's doing over there. So again, we're talking about roots to ranches. It's a brand new uh, television show. Zuri makes an appearance, quite a few appearances right?
4: Yes. With you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So he's literally taken a tour with me through the South and um, that episode, the squirrel episode, which was number one, people can go back and watch it now. Um, This was a tradition where my father taught me how to hunt and he's an amazing chef and what I wanted to do is kind of complete the full circle. He knows what to do with whole animals because we do that, we butcher it at at the restaurant. But I wanted to pass that tradition on where he knows actually how to procure it, process it, and do all of that together, it gives him a whole nother perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he did an amazing job.
2: What was your favorite part of that episode?
4: You know, it was so cute because Zuri's got a cool element about him. And so I was like, it's going to be hot. I'm telling you, it's going to be hot. He's like, I'm from Mexico City. I'm like, okay. Well, Louisiana's a whole nother hot. And so we get down there. Bugs are getting him. And if you watch that episode, he's slapping himself because the bugs are eating him up. And he has short sleeves on, and I was telling him to wear long sleeves uh-huh. because it's springtime. Bugs are out everywhere. And he's slapping himself, and I'm laughing my butt off because he's, like, just so funny. Um, but he's cool. He's a good-looking dude. You yeah. know, he's going to do it anyway. Keep
2: it cool, too. <laughs> he's exactly. going to keep it cool. I mean, they were huge bugs, though. What was I your mean, part, favorite part of that first episode? I, I think the, the connection with the nature, like, uh, going out there and really uh experience what it feels to hunt what experience to look for something that you really want and and respect every single rule about it mm-hmm. you know and then bring the animal back and clean it and knowing that you help it with a balance but not only with the balance also helping other uh, educa- educating people i'm sorry educating people and teaches them that there's other ways there's a lot of food out there that you can used and you can utilize, and it's just another type of culture that you'll learn too as well. Yeah, it's so absolutely. cool. First time in that region of the world? Yes, yeah. it was.
4: Yeah.
1: Yes, City it boy, was.
4: never been to the yes. South. You know, here's the funny thing is that Zuri is such a city guy, Mexico City. He first gets down there and he's like, my cousins are cool. He's like, your cousins are so cool. They have all these fun little... We needed toys, yeah. like four-wheelers and yeah. side-by-sides and boats and everything. He's yeah. like, I want to get a truck, I'm going to get a four-wheeler, yeah. I'm going to get a side-by-side. By the time we finished our southern tour, uh-huh. he was so hot and so bothered by it, he was like, no, I'm a city guy, that's okay, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll am gonna, i be fine. Yeah, where's an Uber? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes.
2: <laughs> Uber old time. Yeah. Jared, your favorite part of the first episode. Favorite part of the first episode. Yeah. When it premiered. What was your favorite part that didn't air? Um, well, there was a lot of I heard things. there was a little, uh, at least uh, kind of uh, a heat overload.
4: Oh, no, that's with, um, this, this you, you got to talk to uh, Wes about that, when you bring Wes okay, on. Okay, that Wes. Yeah, that right. that's a Wes uh, story, <laughs> um, yeah. for sure, for sure.
2: Elise, you want this to look like a chicken, too, with the clay, don't you?
4: Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. you know, if we're going to have, like, yeah. a whole chicken, like, yes. we might as well do it. As you can see, this one behind.
2: Uh-huh, is that ready?
4: You know, yeah, I think it's ready. Can we
2: do it in the next segment?
4: Absolutely. Crack
2: that open? Yeah, for sure. That's so cool. Is this on the menu at Catavella?
4: It's not. But, again, I want to, like, emphasize that I really want people to find out about Denver Urban um, Farms and come to this fundraiser because you're going to get something like this um, at this fundraiser. You're going to get all these animals baked in clay, and it's the most amazing thing. You'll be able to see once everybody starts having these tacos – they're going to be like. Um,
2: we're getting you. Back. Holy cow. We're getting a l- some little feed. feedback. It sounds that, like a good time good. to take a break. All right. Let's break off. We'll come right back. I don't know why we're getting that uh, bounce back. but uh, Feedback. Oh, did it. Was that because West connected down there? It might be. That okay. Might be. We know what that is. Uh, sorry, Elise. Uh, where, where were you just then? It's live radio. No man is right, master.
4: It's all good. It's all good. Um,
2: At yeah, the urban you, farm.
4: Yeah, so I really want people to come because then they can try and understand how delicious this is going to be. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just double, double delicious. And I, I promise you, if anybody, like, learns to do this, you have to... Actually, I don't want to give away the secret, um, but you can uh, find your own clay here in Colorado and uh, do the same thing. But processing, or not co- processing, but cooking an animal like this... It is hands down the best way. I can't wait to try it. It's a lot of love,
2: uh-huh. as you
4: can see. It's very
2: labor intensive. You don't
4: have to do what I'm doing. Well, I want but to. it's fun. Now you have
2: to yeah. at that point. I would. You're carving a little uh, face on and a beak. Well, taking it to the next. <laughs> taking it to the next level. This is a great time in the kitchen. In the kitchen is what it is. And up next is our In the Kitchen segment right here at Studio Kitchen Colorado. It's a packed house. We're learning a lot. Chef Elise Wiggins here with us. Cativella um, is probably where you know her from. And uh, a brand new show, Roots to Ranches. It airs at 8.30, is that what I heard? 8.30 p.m.? 8 p.m. 8, eight p.m. And, uh, again, like this world of uh, on-demand, I had no problem going to either Roots to Ranches, which is probably where you want people to go, to catch uh, and catch up, binge watch the past two episodes. Absolutely. Two episodes are out there. Okay, we'll take a break. We'll come right back. In the Kitchen is next, right here on the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio.
0: i about a bite to eat. It's time for the second course, our number two. Of the modern eater.
1: What are are you hungry for? Here's to a meal
2: we're all here for. Delicious and tasty. Now we're getting to the good stuff.
0: With your hosts, Greg Hollenbeck, Jay Parker, and Brian Freeman.
2: Yes, indeedy, Mr. Tweety. Here we are, live from Studio Kitchen Colorado as the Modern Eater Show continues. Second hour, it's gonna be a great one. Uh, We're gonna grab some folks from the farm here, bring them over. The urban farm at Stapleton, they brought some goats here with us and we don't mean the greatest of all time, we mean some goats. Yeah, come on up. Yes, absolutely. Throw a headset on there and we'll continue. Uh, Michelle here with us, Michelle Graham. I actually heard you were in a conversation with Jay on the phone, but Michelle Graham joins us, the executive director of the Urban Farm at Stapleton. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining
5: us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
2: It's cool to be in the kitchen with Elise Wiggins, isn't it?
5: Yeah, even cooler to be in a kitchen with Elise Wiggins and two goats.
2: And two goats. (laughs) You brought some goats here with you.
5: Yes, we did. Yeah, can you guys see that in the background?
2: I think you can. (laughs) Are people... um, Liking the goats?
5: People are loving the goats. They're uh, curious what they're doing here. So we have over 100 animals at the urban farm. uh Some of them being these Nigerian dwarf goats. And uh,
4: oh, they're so cute.
5: (laughs) Don't say that.
4: (laughs) They are cute. I know. You don't think they're cute? Well, yeah, though they're adorable. (laughs) But uh, well, what? They're for food. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Right.
5: Or milk.
4: Yeah, or milk. Same thing. Food, you you know. I like cute food at least. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it legit, I,
0: just, I think it's important to embrace it to where it can sure. be cute. And yeah, and listen, you know what's gonna happen. We all know. But at the same time, I mean, you know, that's, have you ever that's been to life.
2: A, have you ever been to a rabbit farm?
4: You know, uh, I, I haven't. I have a cousin that tried to do it, uh-huh. and it's a kind of a nightmare scenario. And yeah, that's interesting. Although. There is some cool things that are going on where they do um, these um, kind of free-range rabbit. They're not really free-range. They have these cages that are mobile, uh-huh. but they move them through the property, so it's different than them living in a cage. Uh-huh. Um, that, I, I think, is super cool.
2: I mean, their lifespan I, and is that's, very little.
5: Yeah,
4: yeah.
2: Very small lifespan.
5: It's a rotational grazing system, so you can have cattle, then chickens, then yeah. rabbits, and a, they're all... Contributing differently to the land and yeah. repairing it so then you keep on moving and they yeah. all have a part in that ecosystem.
4: Yeah, it's the whole fertilization and that, that regenerative Ac- farming, ranching. I yes.
2: I love that stuff. Let's make it all make sense. Just like uh, Alice in Wonderland, let's start at the beginning. <laughs> Uh, the Urban Farm at Stapleton. Tell us a little bit about that Michelle.
5: Sure, so the Urban Farm at Stapleton is a nonprofit organization uh, located on Denver Parks and Rec land. We are in about 20 acres and we have over a hundred animals on site. We teach kids and community about livestock raising livestock, riding horses and growing their own food. We have a community garden as well as a aquaponic greenhouse that we're getting up and running and yeah we're just striving to teach people where their food comes from and how to do it in the best way possible.
2: Educational. Yeah. And in an urban environment. Absolutely. But you still have all of the luxuries of a farm.
5: You can call it a luxury.
2: Well, I mean, <laughs> luxuries, it's a yeah. traditional farm.
5: Right. Yeah. It's a really unique site. The urban farm is actually located on the old Stapleton Airport weather station. So the first day I walked on that farm, I was so confused. I was seeing mountains. I was seeing horses. I saw this weird concrete building. But once you walk on, you really, it's an amazing sight to have that in Denver proper it's unreal for a city to have
2: so what's your
4: relationship with
2: chef
5: yeah so um, I, I, I know
4: Kim um, downing first um, she's the president of the board um, for the farm and then Michelle just recently came on and so you know we've been I've been working with Kim for a hot minute trying to get his much exposure to them and wanting to do a show with them because what they do is amazing and now I'm blessed to know Michelle because she's really gonna take their game. To a whole nother level, um, and I'm looking forward to working with them. And my goal is that you know they raise all of these you know crops and also animals exclusively, or not just exclusively, because I want to share this. But you know, starting with Catavella but on with families, other chefs, you know, and they're all because they're so city central. Mm-hmm. You know, to have this kind of property in the middle of Denver is rare, um, and it's a it's a it's a jewel. And so I want to help foster that. And so she is the next, you know, important puzzle piece to make this happen your
2: neighbors as well
4: yeah i mean she's literally five minutes down the road
5: five minute drive i think our uh you were telling me about different vegetables you wanted to have in your dinner in september and yeah they're growing we have peppers in uh, under our uh (laughs) lights right now yeah so all these things that you see in here all these spices and everything
4: they're all um influenced because of Zuri. and so we made a list and michelle's growing everything that's going to be in here not only the animals but all the plants, spices, everything that's going to be in here, that's what we're going to be serving at that fundraiser in September. And
5: in your cocktails.
4: Oh, Yes, in cool. the cocktails as well.
2: The mint, <laughs> anything you couldn't fulfill on the farm?
5: You did want corn. Corn, yes. That was one thing I said no to at this time. Um, While we have 20 acres at our disposal, a lot of land reparation has to occur. Um, As I said, it was an old weather station. There was concrete down. So for years, they've been tearing up that concrete to Mm -hmm. try and repair those soils. Corn takes a lot of acreage to actually grow. So I said, not this year. Maybe in the long-term future can we grow local corn.
2: I was going to ask about the soil. Sure. um, Being here locally in in inner city, is is the integrity of the soil, uh, are you getting all the nutrients? and minerals that you would like to see and has it been tested
5: sure so our garden so we have a community garden that hosts about 46 plots as yeah. well as an ed- educational plot yeah. um yes absolutely we supplementing test
2: that. some of the soil as well right? we do
5: composting and um it's all organic in that um, garden plot but i'd like to expand that to the larger pastures and i'd like to rebuild that soil and rebuild that top layer which really doesn't exist at this time unfortunately just mm-hmm. due to what happens in an urban space. Did you Um, say
2: greenhouse as well?
5: Yes, we do have a greenhouse on site, and it has aquaponics and hydroponics. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they have carp in there, and I was telling them, like, you
4: know, in Europe and in Asia, carp is like a delicacy, and here in the States, people call it a trash fish, but it's actually really buttery for flavor and, like... I'm like, give it to me, sister. Like, I'll take it. I'll use it.
2: Are you using that carp to fertilize the aquaponics? Yes. Yeah, so they're just full circle there. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Are you using any lobster type of stuff?
5: Not well? at the moment.
2: Not at the moment.
5: Um, partly, um, when you get into crawfish and hard shell fish, it's a whole different certification mm-hmm. as well for food safety. So fish... Plain fish is a good step. And then maybe when we get more adventurous, we'll see. I've seen
2: tilapia be used for that same process.
5: Yeah, tilapia Um. is the most common fish. And most, I'd say 100% of your tilapia you're getting in Colorado is grown. In an aquaponic system or a hydroponic system. It
2: absolutely is. For sure. Filapia kind of freaks me out a little bit, though. <laughs> kind of the frankenfish of everything. I digress. Going to the educational part of that, I love that. And, and am I to understand correctly, uh, Michelle, that what you'd like to be able to do is work with more restaurants, uh, just like Elise, and be able to provide their needs by specific by specs? Yeah. You say, here's what you, you'd you like to have and be able to provide those for. yeah
4: Absolutely. Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, like, you know, I, hopefully I'm the start and then beyond that, I, I just want to support these guys. I, I'm not on the board. I'm not, like, a paid person. Like, I just love what they do and it's the right thing and I want to support it. And so anything that I can do, financially, whatever, um, I want to do that. And it's, it's just a great product. I mean, obviously, look at this. You see this yellow that's right here? That's not from the spice. This is from the fat of the chicken that they raised on the farm, you know? And there was these nuggets, these nuggets of this yellow fat because they're eating bugs. Like, Mm -hmm. they're not in a pen. And most people don't understand that, like, the life of a chicken is that they usually spend it in a pen, and it's only weeks. Most people don't understand. They grow within weeks, and then they're processed. But they're spent in a pen, and they get water, they get feed, and their pen is slanted. And so they lay an egg, and it goes on a conveyor belt. That's their life mm-hmm. they don't see they don't see the Sun they don't scratch they don't eat anything that's natural to feed I don't want to eat an animal that has been raised that way mm-hmm. I mean these animals were out scratching eating bugs like in the sunshine they have cover when they want cover and let me tell you like we had one the other night and it's like it was so delicious it's a world of difference and I I always when I said earlier like what's your favorite meat like I normally don't go to chicken because most chicken that's in the grocery store has no flavor Mm -hmm. but if you get eggs or a chicken that's from a farm Mm -hmm. it's raised like this it's delicious Mm -hmm. I'll take it hands
2: down number one eaten protein worldwide is over in that corner right there the lamb huh Goat. No. goat.
4: Sorry, goat. Uh, <laughs> goat. She recognizes
5: them once they're, you know. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I like what number
5: you, one, huh? Yeah. I believe um, that.
2: Worldwide, it, it, because it's just not within our culture. I mean, and and I love, uh, I love lamb too. And I think it's picking up here in Colorado a, a bit. Um, oh my God, it's huge. But you here. know, chicken reigns supreme.
5: Yeah.
2: Um, how? What's the ratio of ranch farm, ranch farm? You're doing a lot of animals, right? Yeah.
5: Yeah, we have a lot of animals, so I'd say it's heavily livestock-based at the time. Okay. They actually, um, so I joined the farm in November, mm-hmm. and my background is in vegetable farming, and I think that was an asset that I brought to the farm. Yeah. I'm a been a vegetable farmer for seven years. So. Have you ever
2: been to Blue Bear Farm right there by the convention center? I, don't know. I have not. I mean, it's literally oh, yeah. on Spear. Right by, so you, yes. have you to been it. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Inside, it's, it's it's really interesting, but uh, how about bees? Are you going to do bees?
5: We have bees, and uh, we have a small apiary, a few hives on site. That's really maintained by a volunteer. Uh-huh. My big idea for bees is actually having a community apiary, so people can essentially join an apiary, because a lot of times people want bees or want to learn about bees but don't have the property to do so or the space. Yeah. Um, so I'd love for people to be able to contribute, come in for workshops throughout the year and take home honey. So that's something on my list to do this year.
2: I'm a huge advocate for these types of... I'm actually a balcony farmer.
5: Nice. (laughs) That's what I have. Well, you know what?
4: You say that. So a friend of mine lives in Stapleton, Uh and um, his name is David Westman, um, and he's an amazing guy, but he has beehives in his yard in Stapleton. He submitted his honey to the um, National Western Stock Show And won first place because there were so many flowers that people were growing all around Stapleton and they all just pollinated with all of them and the flavor was unbelievable. I bought his whole supply. What's his name? David Westman
2: David and all the bees came back to David's house.
4: <laughs> they did. He's actually he, he has a drag name. His name is Nuclear Waste in his drag show, but he's like the most amazing guy, so
2: artful, but like Please let us meet David. Oh, you Oh my god,
4: I should have brought David here. Yeah. Like I'm going to tell him about this. He's going to have to watch this. But he David, like next time. He, I, I I I bought all of his stuff that he had. It was mm-hmm. so amazing. First place yeah, cool You know, stuff. it shows you.
2: Yeah, urban farming, and, and we're going to learn more because you, you're sticking around for a little while. I think we've got some other folks here with us. Who else is here with us tonight? We have another microphone as well.
5: From the urban farm? Yeah. We have Kim Downing, our uh, board president, Dunn. as well. As? Done, as well as uh, Joshua Dexler over there. Cool. And he's going to be leading some of our aquaponics uh, work on the farm as well.
2: Two more segments, so we'll do that. We'll dig in. So uh, what a pleasure to have you here with us. And that's Michelle Graham, the executive director director of the urban farm at stapleton we'll talk about how you can get more information the educational piece is really that's right up my alley i like to be educated and uh, that's something i think that we may be able to go do a tour and you may be able to as well we'll figure it out we'll come back little rich in the little rich corner again cool stuff there's a big announcement our five-year anniversary party Elise. it's um monday april 13th five years the modern eater show has been around and so we're celebrating that but we have a big announcement that we want to share with you on Monday, April 13th at our anniversary party, which everyone is welcome. It's a gimme. You come here, it's the community, it's our family. This is the culinary church. You are listening to the modern eater show on iHeartRadio to Little Rich.
1: Yo, yo, what's up?
4: This is Justin Brunson, Culture Meat and Cheese in Denver Central Market. I'm a
1: meat guy. <laughs> and you're listening to the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio.
2: Okay, thanks. Here we are back at it, the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Chef Elon Winslow, he's going to sit next to me right here, yeah. co-host. Woohoo! Co-host, have you ever heard of the urban farm at Stapleton? I have heard of it, but you I'm, have?
5: Not, I'm not too
1: familiar. Well, with here we going go on. right
2: now. Joshua, how yeah. are you?
1: I'm doing great. How
2: I like you? a guy that will come in, see his name is misspelled on the board, take it upon himself, change it. There you go. That's perfect. How do you say your last name?
1: My name is uh, Dyksler, Joshua Dyksler. Good to see you, Joshua. Thank you very
2: much. Fantastic. We're learning about the Urban Farm. We had Michelle on here earlier, the executive director. What do you do there at the Urban Farm?
1: So what I do there is I help to run their aquaponics farm and their aquaponics greenhouse. And I know you're going to ask, what is aquaponics? No. I love
2: it. Right. I love aquaponics and hydroponics as well.
1: Right. So let me just tell for everybody on the the call. Aquaponics is a combination of aquaculture, where you have fish and, you know, large fish uh, kind of culture, and then hydroponics, where you grow plants without any type of soil.
2: Let me test you. There's some people out there said, I'm not doing anything unless it's in the ground. I need that soil. Uh, The minerals are gonna be deficient. The nutrients are gonna be deficient. You're not gonna be able to mimic what good old Mother Earth would do for me in a hydroponic system.
1: Well, and that's why aquaponics is so fantastic because what it does is it actually takes the microbiome and it allows you to use Mother Earth to use all of the nutrients that are coming out of those fish and then feed the, the plants and the plants then create the most clean water for the fish. So if you, anybody out there has ever had a fish tank and you have this carbon that you put into the fish tank and you, you have all that gunk in there, all of that gunk actually goes directly into your leafy greens, it goes into your tomatoes, it goes into your cucumbers. And all those things grow fantastically 12 months a year. And they grow in a very contained environment.
2: Controlled environment. And I say, I talk to the soil farmers, so that's just what soil farmers say to me, of course, because they're soil farmers. Because they're
1: soil farmers. Absolutely. (laughs) But
2: I always say, and we talk about organic a lot of times, at least join the conversation.
4: Yeah, let's talk about that. So, first of all, all the animals that we, are talking about regenerative farming. Uh Uh-huh. And the important part about that is that all these animals come through, and they all, we'll just call it what it is. They poop and they pee, Mm -hmm. and all the different species do the same thing. This is no different. The fish poop and they pee, yeah. and the residual tea that you have is what goes into these plants. It's the nutrients for them. It's the vitamins, everything that they need to to survive and sustain. Maybe they get a little bit more because of the surrounding soil that's in it, yeah. but the key ingredient is there, you know?
2: I'm going to get a lot of email on this one, and I say it too, but sure. uh, if you want to have true organic farming, uh, a lot of times, you say you're, you're an organic farmer and you keep away from the pesticides, those types of things. But with the water supplies, you don't know what Farmer John's doing up the road with his exactly water right. supplies. It's coming back to you. Aquaponics and hydroponics is probably one of the most controlled environments for anything that you want to do to know the integrity of what's in that, what's in the system.
1: And and this is what's the most fantastic thing about aquaponics is... If you put any kind of poison inside of there or any type of thing that, you know, takes out the pesticides, you're going to kill the fish. So you got to keep that cycle going. And that cycle then tells you that you have a healthy environment. So, you know, you could make it up in other environments and maybe it doesn't work but in a true aquaponics garden greenhouse you're going to have a healthy environment and those microbios are going to continue to create that nutrient and uh Make those plants fantastic.
2: We have a friend in Montrose, Colorado, South River Aquaponics, and they—boy, that—if they, you ever get an opportunity to tour that facility, top-notch. Want to notch, come by and see your facility
1: as well? You're handling the uh, aquaponics portion of Aqu- aquaponics and aeroponics. We also use Aero School to, me on uh, the aeroponics. Well, the aeroponics—we're not as. Uh uh, you know I, I haven't spent as much time in that yet but that's really where you're not you're using a lot more of the oxygen to kind of drive the uh, the plant so it's a it's a tower based system and then that tower based system builds things like um, arugula and and other types of leafy greens that come out of that system
4: basil but, yeah and
1: basil yeah, yeah I mean
4: any plant really can grow like vertical Completely you know and plant. so again this water that they're using is tied into Um, the
1: fish that are living. Well, in the aqua, the aeroponics, Mm -hmm. we actually use a couple different chemicals inside of there um, Mm. as compared to the aquaponics, which is where we're using the fish pieces. I'm I'm going to learn more about
2: that because I do want to learn more about that. A-E-R-O
1: is what it's called. Oh,
2: great. One of the things, and, and we'll go to you, Chef, I think it's kind of cool because I've seen these systems work is one of the great things is when you have a different request is their ability to pivot. quickly to get you certain things that you want to do and maybe even make a one-off just to your specs.
4: Right. Well, and especially now because this relationship is budding and, and I, and again, you know, we have that fundraiser that we're going to do and I'm like, okay, here are all the ingredients I want you to grow. And like, they're already growing a lot of them already and now they're going to expand that. And so I would say I'm almost kind of like the test chef for them. I'm like, okay, here are the things that I'm interested in and here are the things that I think other chefs will be interested in. And the thing that I've tasked, especially that Michelle with, and I'm like, I want you to grow things that no other chef can get. Mm
5: -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I
4: want special um, plants, herbs, and things like that, especially like that are Italian. I'm going to get you these seeds. I want you to grow these for me because that's how most chefs are. We're just, as you know, we're competitive. And we don't want, you know, a Roma tomato that everybody else can get. We want something different. And so this is the thing that I'm, you know, yes, we're going to, have these guys? I'm sorry, I'm speaking for you. I apologize. I'm, but I'm ready the, to you do know, it. basil. Everybody loves basil, and they have an annual sale on these things and tomato plants and all that kind of stuff. And those things are always needed, and those are wonderful. But I want to help them learn to do specialized food for these chefs that are, especially in the south, the northeast corner of Denver, you know, Stapleton or what do you beyond. you do when
2: there's like an ingredient that, like, like a hatch chili, you know, and yeah. you're like, I want. I need to go to that region to have that. How do you counter that with growing it in your backyard?
1: You know, not yet in the farm, but we actually, in some of our other plants, we've already grown some hatch chilies. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of testing out some of that components. And the best thing about the urban farm is that we're an education system. Uh-huh. So, you know, not only do we get to give you exactly what you need and your requirements, but we want the kids to come out and find out what the circle of life looks like. We want the kids to see how this works, right? So our our motivation really is not just to, to kind of do a um, production-like yeah. plant. Our motivation is to teach kids low-income and all kinds of kids in the nor- Northeast area how to make it so successful for them. I know, it's just it, it. it's just a fantastic, and when, and when we can connect with farmers, and we actually have connections with, with some of the Thai restaurants here as well, and really interesting types of plants, we can then do two things, where we can do something unique and interesting, and then also have the kids be part of that environment, right, and then understand what that looks like, and, you know, growing farmers is a fantastic thing in this world.
2: And what better face than Chef Elise Wiggins endearing this with, and, oh, and that's so just—it's going to send it into outer space, and it's going to be cool to see this project grow. And and one of the things—it's going to take on its own life, and you got to be ready for that, because uh, Elise.
4: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'm going to keep circling back to the September event, and we can't talk specifics about a potential thing that's going to happen, but. Um, there's some big national players that are interested in doing a very special event, maybe a concert. Um, Can we conceptualize this dinner?
1: Let's talk about about what this
2: could be. All right. And you have some colleagues here with you as well. Is Kim Downing in the house today? Kim Downing is in the house. Okay. I want to talk to Kim, and I also want to talk to uh, Rachel Livingston. Is Rachel here? Yeah, Rachel's here. Okay. No rush, guys. We're going to take a break. Come back so we can take a breath. Finish up. Tell me what what else you'd like us to know.
1: No, I just think that you know the urban farm is really about kind of making this just so unique and interesting for the kids. And, you know, doing that in a jun- in conjunction with the local kind of hyper-local farming mm-hmm. is uh, is a fantastic opportunity.
2: Amen, brother. We really want to come to the facility. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Ealing, what was your take on what you heard there?
1: Well, I heard educating
2: the community and making local global almost. Done, done. Done, done. Right. Right. Yeah. That's perfect. Sounds great. Okay. Kim Downing, she's front and center. We'll take a break. We'll come right back. This is cool. Uh, we're going to kind of... Mind if we put this dinner together in the next segment? Let's
4: do it. I know.
2: Have all the components here in the room.
4: I know. We've got boudin balls now. We've got to talk about grade A Bucket's crawfish.
2: The the party's just starting right now. Okay. We'll break off. We'll come right back. This is cool. Little Rich is in the Little Rich corner. He's going to do a little breakaway interview. We'll come back to the kitchen in just a minute. What else do I have to promote? TheModernEater.com. Jay, you're doing a great job of getting a lot of good content up there. If you ever want to catch up on all the past episodes, that's where you can do it. TheModernEater.com. Breakaway. Come right back, The Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio.
5: This is Laurie Midson. I'm a food hack, a.k.a. food writer. I was just told that I can put my lines. <laughs> and you're listening to The Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Hello
2: and welcome back to the show. This is oh a my. great show tonight. Chef Elise Wiggins here with us. And we've got uh, Chef Elon to we, we like to learn together, Elon. Yes. And this is cool. Is that one of your element knives right over yes, there? Yes, it is. Uh, this is Elon Wenzel from Element Knife Company. Elise. You liking the knife?
4: This is sexy. Is Thank it you. a good one? I want to take it home with (laughs) We can make that happen. I it belongs here. I think
2: (laughs) we could probably arrange that. Thank you for uh, supplying us with the knives in the kitchen. As we continue, this is cool, the urban farm at Stapleton. And uh, Kim Downing is uh, the board president. And welcome to the Modern Eater Show.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. So great. So
2: just to catch you up, because I know it's hard to hear in the kitchen, uh, we just basically set the lay of the land. And and we met a couple of folks here, Michelle Graham, the executive director. And we also... Um, caught up in that last segment as well. I think that that was uh, Joshua, the um, the gentleman that does the aquaponics and the hydroponics. So yeah. cool. So, Kim, you've been with, uh, for a while, for, with the farm.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I started with my kids, age seven, uh, coming to the farm to ride horses. And they're now 24. So um, I started as a volunteer and just fell in love with the whole concept and watched how the farm raised my kids with me, and just uh, saw how important it was and wanted to share that with a lot of other kids in Denver.
2: How would you meet Chef?
3: Oh my gosh, it was a couple of years ago Yeah. when you were at the sous. You were a sous chef, I think, at that time, and you had done a, a no. You're like no, no, been a no, 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 no. I've been
4: a chef for a long time. <laughs>
3: oh oh sorry at. Um, at uh, i think you you cooked at harold's it? house you did a dinner I, for I us did, you put one a of the board members yeah yeah, yes, yeah yeah that's
4: where it was uh it was a board member of the farm and um that's how i met her the first time and then soon after that like she circled back especially after i opened up cativella yeah. in stapleton which is five minutes down the road from her she came in and we just started talking um about what they were doing and what they want to do and like want to grow the farm and stuff like that and she has such a tremendous passion for this and um, you know we have a lot of people with philanthropies that come in all the time and I want to serve everyone but Kim I mean talking about like walk the walk talk the talk I mean she lives and breathes this thing and like truly loves it and um, she's like come to the farm let me take you on a tour I want you to see what we do and understand the program and I fell in love. And really, Kim was, she wasn't a salesperson. She's just so passionate about it that I, I I, just naturally gravitated to it. And I was like, how can I help? What can I do? I want to support you. I want to buy your products. I want to do whatever I can to help you. And so, you know, with the show, I was like, I have to do an episode on, you know, what you're doing. And I, I want Tim to, I'm sorry, Kim to talk about, like, what they do, you know, is being a nonprofit. Yeah, we're talking about farming and ranching and stuff, but like truly, the lessons for the children, you know, which is what they do, right. uh, what they focus
3: on. So, can we you tell them about it? Yeah, yeah, I would. Re- the farm is so unique in that it has. Um, we teach five character values in every program that we have, and those five character values are caring, curiosity, responsibility, respect, and grit. And those are really, really important and very um, well thought-out um, character values that we really encourage.
4: Life lessons. Yes, Holy and when cow. I'm yeah. so,
3: kids are having so much fun, but they're also becoming really good citizens by learning all of these very basic principles about how to be a good citizen.
2: And stewards of the earth.
3: Exactly. Yes. So yes. my one thing that I'm really concentrating on this year that I think we've lost sight on is respect, mm-hmm. and it's respect for yourself. It's respect for uh, other people. It's respect for your animals. It's respect for the plants. And it's respect for the land. And if we can all share in that respect, then everybody thrives. And I feel like that's a really important lesson that we need to help kids understand in, yeah. this, in this age. Agreed. I think that's really Agreed. important.
4: I mean, I got that lesson as a child at six and a half years old. Like, my dad was like, you need to know where your food comes from, and I'm going to take you out, and we're going to go hunt. And you know, before I even pulled the trigger, he made me understand that we don't waste life. You know, We don't take life to take life. We take life because we need it. Mm-hmm. And then we use everything to honor the animal. And their program does that. It's not you walk into a grocery store and you get protein in a cellophane package and not understand where that comes from. Right. And there's so much waste. I mean, there's so many yeah. shows now and there's so many programs now about waste of animals and waste of food if people had to do that on their own, and they had to take a life that they raised, you talking about like a profound impact of zero waste policy that would have for everyone if they had to do that. You know, taking a life and processing it is is emotional and um, it's it's nutritive um, and and um, it, it, it makes you think. You're, you're pensive you know it after
2: is. It. it. It's real.
4: It's real. And, and, and most people that go to the grocery stores, I'm yep. glad you said that because they have no idea what reality is. You know, they go in, they get the chicken. It's in the cellophane. It's It's my meat. That's what I get. But there was a process. What happened to that chicken? How did it eat? How did it live? You know, is it good for me? You know? Uh, And so their program is doing that. And that's why I just feel so strongly about it.
2: It's not the food in your life. It's the life in the food.
4: Amen, brother. Yeah, and, and Amen, I, I, brother. I,
2: mean, I believe in that so much, and, and it resonates with me to where this is beyond the thought process of, like, responsibility and obligation. This is the res- this is where you come to, to terms with that, and you're to a point now of where it's servitude and honor. Mm-hmm. You do it because you have that servitude and honor and feeling towards I'm going to respect what is happening with my body, my food, my connection to the earth, my gut. And when you can do that, well, I mean, you brought me into what I love right yeah. there. And Roots to Ranches, let's not forget, I mean, you're going to tune into this show. Yeah. And, and I'm, like, number one fanboy right there. <laughs> right? I, mean, I love it. The connections here with the show. Roots yeah. to Ranches, man. I mean, you got to Google it. I can't it. wait to it, see it. It's so cool. Chef Elise does such a great job. Let's do this, guys. A lot of times, and we'll do pop-up dinners here and there, and. It's cool. But the underlying message, there's a message behind a dinner you guys are going to put together. And what better than libations and food and, and community? And But there's a learning process. And you guys want to teach people through food and maybe a concert. I don't know. But let's talk about what could happen this summer. Is it this summer you want to do a dinner?
4: We're hoping. Um, I mean, well, no, we are definitely going to do this. Um, we've got some um, lots of... Uh, Irons in the fire. Yes, irons in the fire. Some really good stuff. So the core of it is is that I'm going to be doing a dinner with them where I use the animals that are on the farm, all of the vegetables, herbs, all that kind of stuff that are raised all on the farm, and we're going to create this amazing community dinner that we want everybody to come in, buy tickets. You can be on an episode. Um, The episode's focused on um, the urban um, farm, yep. and um, then you're going to get to eat all these amazing amazing ingredients that come from the farm. Yep. We're hoping that there will be some extra fireworks. There's something special that we're hoping that's going to happen. Regardless, um, it's going to be amazing dinner, and all the proceeds 100% of the proceeds will go to this amazing program.
2: Oh, First ticket right, exactly. Here. Sold, sold, right here. Exactly. The number one ticket. Guys, how can we learn more information about this? Y-
4: yeah, so stay tuned. So you can either go to Katti Bella, yep. I'm working closely with Kim on this. We're going to try and get some final details. We should know this maybe in what, yeah. the next week or so? Yes, yeah, stay tuned. It's and in the station. Yes, and then. You can either go to um, Denver Urban Farms. Um, no, sorry, the, the urban. urban Farm. I always do that. I always mess it up. The Urban Farm. <laughs> tough. The Urban Farm. Um, or you can come to Cachavella. You can go to. Um, you can contact me, Elise Wiggins, or just Elise at CachavellaDenver.com. Um, or just call us at the restaurant yeah. at Catsabella. We're we'll
2: planting the seed now. Yeah, exactly.
4: Right? exactly. And when
2: you when you see that when you see it growing and about to harvest, just jump. You know it's yeah. there. Yeah. It's it's on. It's right there. It's going to be amazing. On the horizon. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Blessings. I mean, oh, thank seriously, you. thank you so much. Need more of that, and that's the inspiration. I think it's contagious. I really I do. do. I yeah. think we're in just a just
4: big movement nice now. now. For sure, yeah. it's going to be a big year for them. Hey, yeah.
2: uh, uh, Jay
0: Parker over here, I just wanted to put in two cents on the Roots for Ranches because we watched the first episode. Yeah. And when you dedicate it to your father towards the end of it and you start choking up as you do it, first of all, choke choked me up, right? And it's yeah. and it's a beautiful thing to see that because you can see the connection between you and your father. Yeah. And then listening to you talk about the urban farm at Stapleton and yeah. and the values you learned from your father and then listening to Kim talk about the values that they're teaching the, the young uh, kids over there. It kind of, I'm just seeing like no, the, the big circle of like, no matter who's teaching you it's the a good deep values, connection. It, it, th- that's what the youngsters need to, need to know. They need to know those values going forward.
4: No, for sure. I mean, like, you know, that's why I, I think that I'm endeared to, to Kim and what she does at um, the Urban Farm. It's like, it, it is indicative of what my dad taught me, my grandparents taught me, everybody taught me um, my life lessons, and... When I got to meet them here in Denver, I'm like, I have to do something yeah. with you. I have to you support you. You wouldn't be able to live with yourself. This is, and this is what more yeah. people should learn about. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Truly. Wow, so cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, from farms to beer. <laughs> Why not? <huh? laughs> this last segment of the show, we have to loosen up a little bit. It's been oh, a great well, show. Oh,
4: we have to talk about the crawfish a little bit more. Yes, we do. We you got a lot to talk about. Yeah, so buckets, buckets. I mean. You know, my family friend Wes down at Bucket's um, in uh, South Louisiana, like here's his t-shirt, you can see Bucket's Crawfish Restaurant. Uh. Wes Hillborn. I mean, I had such a good time going out in his crawfish uh, ponds, I will tell you. Um, anybody that ever sees him and that watches his show, you have to ask him um, what happened um, when I got too hot during the filming. <laughs> <laughs> I fertilized his farm.
2: <laughs> the finest it hour. Was,
4: it was so hot. It was so hot. Um, and we call that future bloopers for roots to ranches. Um, but I told him, I said, if you have a bumper crop this year because I had salad that morning, <laughs> you you have to pay me. That's right. Uh, but these guys were amazing. And, again, you know, Grade A Crawfish, they also helped support that. And uh, we had such an amazing show. So if you're down in South Louisiana, you have to go to Buckets and then Pineville, Louisiana. And, uh. Go say hi to my family friend, um, Wes Hilborn, also. He's such an amazing guy. Just good, good man.
2: I don't have good very loft, lofty goals in life, but that's on my bucket list. <laughs> buckets. <laughs> it's on the bucket or, or, or. list.
4: Hey, what's cool is that their lighting is all upside-down buckets with lights in it. I was like, who <laughs> Why thought would of that? it his, be? His wife thought of that. I'm like, that's brilliant. That's buckets. Bucket light. I got it. You know, it's brilliant. Ma- saved a lot of money, I'm that, sure.
2: That's marketing 101.
4: <laughs> I didn't get that one.
2: Thank you, Ms. Downey.
3: Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate thank you. it.
2: It's uh, the Urban Farm at Stapleton. Get more information. Google it. That's uh, usually the best way.
0: Now it's time for the Modern
1: Eater's Booze in the News segment. I like my beer cold, my meat grilled, and my entertainment explosive. All we need is a, is a chair and a, and a cooler beer. Here's your Booze News.
2: It's going to be the most powerful seven minutes of your life. It's booze in the news, all the booze news you can use right here on the Modern Eater Show. But I'm very disappointed because, Chef Elon, you don't have a beer. Oh Just my. grab one. Grab a beer. Anyway. Uh, well, what's your flavor?
5: Uh, let's try this IPA.
6: All right. There you go. Cool. Colorado IPA. I'm from Colorado. Colorado.
2: five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Enjoy. Thank here you. we go. Good River Pier. It's
6: been yes
3: a sir. while.
2: It has been, a couple years. Preston Sarah here with us. Um, boy, where do we, first of all, there's a lot of unique things that has to do with your beer company. But one of the things that struck us the most that you, from our last interview, was what you're doing with uh, water in general. Yes. Can you talk about that?
6: Yeah. Good River Beer is based on uh, love of rivers. Uh, and, you know, when we started the company, we wanted to make it, you know, really bring it back to what we loved. Uh, So we've given 2% of our revenue uh, every year to River Conservation, so that's really where the company starts. Now, you've um, held to be, that. Yeah, we have. We've it, it's not been easy, but we've held to that. They'd give it, and it all
3: away if they could. <laughs> yeah. Can we, we get the next would.
2: 2% to me? I mean, uh, no. I, I'm, and that's so cool, you guys. Well, in, in, a, in a world in business where margins are so small, yes. the 2%, I mean, that, but it means a lot to uh, folks and, and the journey that you guys are on. But now there's a lot of more beer styles since I've seen you last. Display. Yeah, for sure. I, I think last time we met, we had
6: maybe three three or four beers in cans, and we've really expanded since then. Uh, so you're drinking American Pilsner, which we had at that time, uh, Class 5 as well. But we have newer beers. Uh, we've since put Foo Fighter in cans. My baby, not your baby. <laughs> He's being it, it modest. It really is. Gold medal.
3: He's pretty, really killer recipe. 8.9% too, so watch out. Oh, you know?
6: yeah, we did win a gold medal at GABF for that beer. I mean, uh, it was a wonderful I moment. That, I know. When I saw that, I was like, man, it's good for you. I was so excited. Yeah, I just had my head down, and when it was called, I just, uh, it was, it's hard to describe. And really. which
2: category was that?
6: It's a, uh, it's a Belgian golden strong. So it was a, yeah. That, that's the category. Yeah, and that's a saturated category, too. A lot of people, that's a coveted category. I don't know how many there were, but uh, probably 90 or 100 or so entries. Yeah. not sure. What else do you have? Uh, we have Owl Eyes, which is a, a good one if you like a, a porter with cherry. Um, you know, dark beer can take tart flavors, raspberry, cherry. So really recommend that. Um Gunny. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you've nope. had that one. Yeah. So that's, that's a black lager. Man. So it's kind of a... Um, I can, may I? I yeah, just to. pull. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm going to pour this one, actually, because I want to see it. Yeah, so that's a, a... You know, the roast is pretty mild, so not as intense as a stout or porter. Um, so a good... Uh, it's a good food beer as well. And I, I think I was saying before we came on the air, uh, perfect with these crawdad rolls that we have over here, just... Oh, fantastic way to go. You're brewing delicious <laughs> beer. Thanks. I appreciate that. Good job. So
2: now we're neighbors, right? First in Santa Fe.
6: Yeah, we're close. Yeah. So we have our production facility now at first in Santa Fe. Uh, our tap room opened uh, not quite three months ago. So it, it's in a place called the yard. So come on over and, uh,
2: and visit us. man. Sarah, what do you do marketing marketing? Yeah, <laughs> fun. I like marketing actually. It's a lot of fun. It is. Especially when you have a good product. Exactly. Makes it pretty easy. Talk a little bit about some of the things that are going on. You know, so um, I think the biggest thing is we have a new beer coming out okay. called Hey Fishy Fishy. Hey Fishy Hey's, Fishy. Hey Fishy Fishy. Thought it was kind of fun. Uh, started laughing about it in a meeting one day and that's the beer, uh, getting into the fishing community. Um, and we're also, um, have a lot going on this year, so we have coming out of
3: a mixed pack, Ramping up our marketing efforts and I love um, a mix
2: pack. First of all, thank you for doing that. Um, and, and I'll I would, usually I'll get a mix pack and then one of the favorites, you know, a six pack of one. Is of
0: there the any favorites. fish in the fishy fishy beer? No fish. No fish. Did you try? Did you, you try throwing out something in there? How to no.
2: integrate fish into brewing? <laughs> yet, <but laughs>
0: hey man, you. listen, if you can figure it out, I want uh, half a percent of whatever you make on that. You got it.
2: <laughs> how do you guys know Chef Elise?
0: Uh, oh, so I,
2: I
6: met Elise, uh, gosh, man, must be almost three years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Hey, so-
2: Chef? Chef, put, put, give, give her a little nudge. Hey, Chef? Just two, what? No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I just wanted, with the, there she is. See, she's scrambling for the headset right there. It's on backwards. Just with the last two minutes of the show.
4: (laughs) Play that record for me. That's right. (laughs) This was
2: to the point where I'm like, okay, we have two minutes left in the show. We want to have the chef here with us and how you guys know each other. But what a cool company to be involved with.
4: This guy is amazing. So as soon as I opened Catevalla, he came in and he's like, okay, I'm, you know, I, I have this beer product. I, I have a brewery, and I want you to have this. It's good river. And, you know, the first thing that piqued my interest was, he's like, I donate a percentage of the profits to river conservation. Yep. And I was like, so tell me about that. You know, anything that's like that, I'm like, yeah. my antenna goes up. And I was like, that's really cool. And he's like, we're just a bunch of dudes that we're attorneys. We just love to, like, go all over the world and, you know, raft these rivers.
6: Kayak and rivers. Kayak yes. these rivers. No, you
4: got it. And so he's like, it was important to him to like conserve the health of the river. And I was like, okay, I'm listening. And then, and I've tried a lot of beer and I love my beer, okay? And I've tried a lot of beer <laughs> in my time. And I am not a Pilsner fan. I, um, I'm an IPA girl and I like it yeah. in my face like this, you yeah, know.
6: But I sold you on that Pilsner.
4: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's cool. And he popped open a Pilsner. And I'm like almost holding my nose, like thinking it's not gonna—it's gonna be sweet and it's not gonna be enjoyable. It was fresh and crisp, and I was like, "Oh my
2: god!" That's the perfect place to end with that because I want people to look you up. Good River Beer, you guys. I need to pay gratitude to you, Chef Elise Wiggins.
4: Thank Thank you you so much. In
2: the kitchen. You you can watch the replay.
1: Thank you.
2: Everybody involved. And you need to keep an eye out for Roots to Ranches and the Urban Farm at Stapleton. Everybody involved, thank you so much. We'll see you back here next week. And we've got uh, the folks from Angelos will be back here. See you next week.